Tech fans, it's time for Up with the White and Gold with GT John Watts and Jeremy the Impact York. This is Impact Media's weekly drive into Bobby Dodd Stadium to talk all things Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets football. As I said, the co-host of this podcast is GT John Watts. How are you, John? You know, it's a, it's a busy month, but um, we got through the weekend uh, unscathed and uh, a, little, a little bit of nail biter there uh, on for this week, but uh, well, we're doing all right. We'll see how the rest of the month goes. Anytime you can end a game in victory formation, it must have been a good day. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, it, it's always a good day when you're in the, uh, the day with more points than your opponent. That, uh, is how, that is how you win football games, folks. I didn't know if you guys realized that. Score more points than the other team. I mean, I usually work when I play. But, you know, I don't play. Yeah, it, so who knows? Yeah, exactly. We, we're smart enough to know that we shouldn't play and that we should just uh, talk about it instead. Right, exactly. So much, you know, definitely have those those faces only mothers could love and, and – um, Definitely those those faces for radio. So well, here we are on the radio. Mm-hmm. But all right, we're gonna uh, before we get started. Let me get into the part I always forget, and that is if you would like to contact this show, and we encourage you to do so. Here are the following ways you can do that: you can email us three endzone at gmail dot com. That is the number three e n d z o n e at gmail dot com. You can search for us on Facebook, whether it's Impact Media, Up With the White and Gold, GT John Watts, Jeremy the Impact York. You should be able to find us any of those ways. If you're one of those people who love to just click a link and listen to a show, we definitely appreciate you guys. To do so, you can go to at Team Impact Media on Twitter and just scroll down to the appropriate show you want to click on and click on it and you should be able to listen to it there. If you would like to follow myself on social media for show links and other random shenanigans we get into off this show, you could do so by following at the Impact 99 on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and Instagram. And uh, John, go ahead and say all yours. Yeah, pretty much. I'm uh, pretty much the same there. Uh, Except that trailer, I don't know nothing about no trailer, but. Um, <laughs> Well, I'm, uh, uh, I mean, I'm on some other things, but I don't post anything. But anyway, um, like I said, at, at GA Tech John, uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's where I'm at. And also, if you um, – you can find us anywhere you find a podcast, whether that is the iTunes Store, Podcast One, Spotify, any of the places you can find a podcast. If there is a place you regularly find a podcast that you cannot find up with the white and gold, please use one of those other ways to contact us, and we will fix that promptly. That's a word I haven't used in a while, promptly. might use that a hundred more times this episode. We'll see. But now let's get back into, uh, well, not really the word. Are not really the the world of of Bobby Dodd. They they are they were not there last week. They were at. I sure get this right again. Blacksburg. Yeah, you got it right this time. I did. See, I, I knew I was just in Whitesburg like yesterday, so I wanted to make sure it was not that because that is definitely not where they were playing football. They're up in Blacksburg, Virginia. Uh, it's where the Hokies play. Uh, no, it is not where the dance started, but I'm sure they still do it there. We got to see something different in this game, and what we got to see different was a different starter. It had something to do with the fact that Sims was a little dinged up, and they said, you know, he's like 70%, 80%, and uh, I think we'd rather go with 100% Zach Pyron than 80% Sims and risk him getting more injured. Totally understand that. Had no problem there. We've already seen Zach Pyron a little bit this year, but – what were your overall takeaways of what Zach did? Yeah, I think it was um, a pretty good game uh, for I mean, what we did. It was uh, another tough battle, kind of to go three, but I think uh, overall it was um, pretty good. Um, to, I mean, for someone who's not played 
a whole lot. By a whole lot. I mean, they only played a couple of games to be a freshman, but being able to rally the team, uh, I mean, they did pretty well. Yeah, I think he represented Pinson, Alabama very well. Hey, Pinson again. Yeah. I, I'm going to reach out because I swear they're going to put us on the payroll for the uh, the tourist board that we have mentioned. We're probably the only podcast, including podcasts in Pinson, Alabama, that mention Pinson, Alabama. Well, I mean, they, did, they briefly, like for a split second, mentioned it on the, on the game. So I was like, hey, throw it out there. So clearly the announcers are listening to the show, which we appreciate. So, you know, that, that's definitely something. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, to, I would say – go ahead. I was just saying it's always good to um, give shout-outs to them. So. Yeah. Yep, definitely appreciate everything they do, and I know they appreciate what we do. So, together, we'll make this work. Uh, but, yeah, I would say uh, to, to be his first time starting a Division One football game, I thought he, he did some good stuff. He, he, of course, made some mistakes here and there. You know, those kind of things are going to happen. Uh, but it seems like, to me, the team responded to him being the quarterback. Like, and not more than Sims. I'm not saying that, oh, they, they don't like Sims, nothing like that. It's like, no, they, they had played under Sims a lot, and you can see the excitement there. But it's like they were ready to see what this kid could do because maybe they didn't know what he could do. And turns out he can he can win a Division One ACC football game. I mean, especially when on their – Second drive, uh, he found Dante Smith for the the uh, touchdown catch to go up seven to nothing early on. Um, then you get the fumble by Virginia Tech on the very next drive where Georgia Tech recovered, uh, which uh, I don't remember. Yep that that led to the uh, nineteen yard field goal to make it ten to nothing after a quarter. And then also we we got to mention that Malachi Carter became the all-time games played leader as a Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket with his 55th game uh, that he played. Yeah, it definitely was a um, great first first quarter there. And a big shout out there to Malachi. Um, That's a big thing for for us. and nothing after the first quarter, and you think, okay, we're doing good, but again, kind of I sit back the way things gone. Um, we're we're still you know, coming into this game. We're still a three-win team like we have in the last four years, so we're still kind of looking. Like, okay, ten nothing. Maybe maybe we can do this. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe we can do something with this, but you know, we don't. We're not gonna. Hopes too high. Um, just, you know, how things can go. But yeah, that was our first quarter. Yep. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, like we're saying, ten nothing in the first quarter, and then Virginia Tech remembered that they are Virginia Tech and uh, ended up putting twenty on the board in the second quarter. Georgia Tech was able to kick the field goal towards the end, the twenty-seven yarder. Uh, that that kid is just money. I, I, that baffles me why he wasn't in but you know coaching change they put him back in from 10 to nothing to going into halftime down 20 to 13 that's that's not bad you're still within range at that point and and I think that's very much what Brent Key told his team is that hey we're still in this we scored a bunch of we scored 13 points already it's it's you know it's it's not out of hands yet Yeah, definitely. I mean, going into the half, and it's only only down a touchdown, so it's not not crazy. Um, how some of the other games the season's gone, so I mean, that's like they give up twenty straight points. But like I said, we get the field goal. Um, Gavin Stewart keeping us in the game there. Um, so going to halftime, down a touchdown. You know, have a discussion in the locker room, and we'll come back and. Try to come back strong in the second half. Yeah, and that they very they very much did in the in the third quarter. Uh, although, little tidbit, uh, I, did you see the Bruce Arians interview at, at halftime? They were honoring a lot of Virginia Tech uh, alumni, especially 
the football related, and they talked to Bruce Arians, and that might be one of my favorite interviews of him. Yeah, he was very like relaxed. And, I mean, it's just like, hey, we're doing an interview. I'm gonna say what I want. I'm like, okay, that's great. I mean, he's got nothing to lose. He's not the Bucks coach anymore, although they need him to be. <laughs> and he, and he, a lot of people asked. They went, oh, he was uh, he was probably uh, into his cups. And I was like, no, no I, I actually think Arians was not drinking anything that night. He was straight up. He was looking at the camera. He was very focused. He he was he didn't look like somebody trying to beat a breathalyzer test. He looked like somebody having a good time at alumni weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, I wouldn't be surprised like you said. Just, you know, that was just normal. Just hey, I'm I'm yeah. here and watching. Yeah, he's one of those guys that, I mean, there's a long list of these for me, but he's one of those guys that you just hope you accidentally run into on a golf course, and he's just like, uh, you know, care if I join or, hey, you want to join us? Uh, yes, I do. I very much want to play golf and, and listen to whatever he's going to say. <laughs> but back to the game. Uh, that was a fun little side bit. I just had to mention that. It was it was great. And, I, you know, they, they interviewed a couple of other people. Nobody was near as – as entertaining as him. But uh, right after that, uh, Malachi Carter continued to make uh, great plays. And then they had that long kind of chip-away drive that ended with the 22-yard field goal that made it 20-16. to 16. And, and, and I'm kind of thinking at that point, okay, well, they're, they're getting within range where now they can go ahead with a big score. Right. Yeah. Um, um, and then – Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Okay. Gavin Steer, uh, again. <laughs> so, like I said, we don't know why he was in there before, but he definitely, I mean, still keeping us in the game here. Yeah, and and uh, and that moment for Tech fans was kind of uh, like standing on a platform and you think you're feeling pretty good about the platform, and then you realize you're standing over a dunk tank and somebody's about to hit the button because – uh, even though you you get the defensive stop and Virginia Tech punts, and you're thinking, okay, we're down four, we get the ball back. The first play of that next drive was a pick six that put them up 27 to 16 with about four minutes to go uh, in the third quarter, and you're just like, oh crap, here it goes. And it's like we we trying to we were kind of just tipping away, tipping away the lead, and then that happens, and you're like, okay. Now we're down 11, and with one quarter to go, this is going to be another one where we thought we were going to come back and just give it away. And we're like, okay, we'll see what happens in the fourth quarter. Yep. And uh, we we definitely we get into the fourth quarter where um, I, I like – Georgia Tech went for it on fourth and one. Um, I, I would actually say I even like the play call. They did come up a little short to start with. I mean, I mean, they did come up short. Just straight up, they came up short. It was a turnover on downs. But I like the aggressiveness that early on. I mean, you're still, you know, 12 minutes before the end of the game, and Brent Key's like, no, it's fourth and one. We need this. I feel good about my offense. I'm going for it. So, you know, what did you think of that fourth and one? Yeah, I mean, definitely, I mean, feel good about your offense and feel, you know, Trusting, it's a, a definitely a trust in your defense to, uh, if you don't make it, to you know, keep them from scoring and not getting them back on, on the field. I mean, fourth and one, definitely. I mean, it's fourth quarter. You know, we got 12 minutes left. Why not? I mean, you're down 11 at this point. So you need two scores. So, yeah, why not go for it? Yep. Like I said, and, and I like it because Brent Key very much knows he is coaching for his future as the head coach there. If he wants to even remotely be considered or – I mean, he'll probably get an interview, but if he wants to, to increase his percentage of, of being the front runner or maybe even being considered, he has to show that he can lead this team at times when, when they need it. And so going for it there, it's, it's not a dumb call. It's, I think it's the right call. And it was his way of saying, I can make – the choices I need to make to lead this team. Yep. No, definitely. Don't agree there. Uh, And then then you get a little bit of luck. 
I think him going forward on fourth down kind of increased the confidence in the team that even though they didn't get it, on the very next uh, possession for Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech causes a, a fumble that they recover, and then that leads to the McCollum TD catch uh, that made it 27-22 because they went for two and they failed there. But um, I, I didn't I didn't have a problem at all with with uh, with them going for two there because that's that's definitely what you do if you kick the if you kick the extra point then you're still down four if you get the two point conversion then you're down three and now it's easier right. Yeah, so, I mean, that point, you know, you got the six points, so you're within five. So, if you get it, okay. If, like I said, you get you're down one, down three by a field goal. But if you kick it or miss it, you know, you're still within, you know, a touchdown to take the lead. So, yeah, definitely I mean, great, great 56-yard pass there. And, you know, why not go for it and try to get within three? So, again, like I said, I, I didn't disagree with either. And then, and, I'm, and we're not saying that, that we didn't disagree or we did think we thought it was the right call because it worked because it, you know it didn't work in that case but you know I, I like the aggressiveness it is the the way I would play it there and then the unfortunate part is that Charlie Thomas uh, exited this game now the fortunate part was it's not due to uh, <laughs> it's not due to a penalty or anything but he actually got a little dinged up. Uh, and, and he had to exit the game. I don't know that he went back in the game, but uh, precautionary-wise, uh, if, if they felt that way, then then I, I'm glad they're able to to worry more about him than his impact on the field. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at this point, just a little dinged up. We, we can we can take him off, and, and that that's fine. Uh, let him get some rest before we, you know, have our next game. So I, I didn't see him anymore, but um, but you know that's fine. We can at this point we're looking at well, in, inside of nine eight minutes here to go. So that's fine. We can we have other players that can fill that that void. So the finish out the game. Right, and they actually did do a good job at that point. Um, Georgia Tech on their next drive, they they get it to to third and nineteen. I'll be honest, um, I, I've played Madden in NCAA for years. I've been around coaches. Um, I, I have uh, been around play callers. I've I've uh, I've watched about as much football as as anybody has in in the last handful of years. There's not many plays in the playbook for third and nineteen. You know, <laughs> and yet. Go ahead. No, I was going to say yeah, that's that's an obvious passing scenario. So, I mean, you're going to play either to try to defend that line, defend for a. You're not going to. I mean, to go short, you're not going to get it. So you got to know that they're going to be trying to go for it. Right. So and there, yeah. Of of all things, and yet you know there's there's not many plays for third and nineteen, and yet they figure out some way to make that work. And what what this drive ultimately comes down to, as I'll tell you how the drive ended in a second, is if you ever want to know if you think somebody can lead in a situation, it's when the situation calls for somebody to stand up and be accountable and and make the right decision to to help the entire group. You can't ask any more out of Zach Pyron than the uh, rush touchdown he gets. They, of course, missed the, the two-point conversion again. I, I think very much this week they should be doing that in practice, working on the two-point plays. Maybe they should watch yeah. the, the uh, replay of the LSU-Alabama game, but that is a different podcast all to itself. But, I mean, you can't ask any more out of Pyron than he gets the opportunity to, to be the hero there, and he realizes that he needs to be, that he is the best option. And he puts it in. They go up 20, 28 to twenty-seven with about three minutes to go. Uh, how are you feeling at that point? Now it's like, okay, well we come all the way back from. I mean, we were up ten nothing, gave up twenty points. We were down eleven at the end of the third. Now we're up one, and <laughs> we said three to go in the game. It's like, okay, now we got three minutes to hold on. And mm-hmm. hold on. That's yeah, your, and the your... crazy thing is, 
Yeah, I was going to say, the crazy thing is, is with three minutes to go, you're like, well, how many possessions is each team going to get? You know, hopefully they just get like one apiece or so. No, both teams got two possessions, which just makes you sweat it out even more. Yeah, the, the back and forth, okay. All right, we stopped up. All right, they stopped us. All right. All right. That, okay, this is going to work. Is this going to work? Is this going to work? Oh, yeah, especially, you know, right after you score Virginia Tech in that next drive, uh, Georgia Tech gets a big sack. And, I, and first of all, anytime I see a, a sack in a play, especially in college, I immediately start looking for flags. I'm like, they're going to say this is targeting. They're going to throw this guy out. It's going to get nullified off the board. They're going to get like 45 yards for this penalty or something stupid. But, nope, it was a straight-up clean sack led to the punt there. Then Georgia Tech gets the ball. They punt. Then Virginia Tech uh, tries to do too much. They're, they were really trying to get themselves in, in kicking range. They end up fumbling. Georgia Tech recovers. And um, uh, that was actually their 22nd turnover they have forced this year. That's Georgia Tech that's done that, which is fantastic. And then this game ends 28-27 in victory formation. Yeah, we've we talked about it before, those, those turnovers, controlling those turnovers. Mm-hmm. 22 for a season. And like I said, victory formation, come away with a one-point win. And we now have more wins than we have the last three seasons. Yep, and that's we, not combined. That, that's, that you have, that's one more total than you've had total in the, the last three seasons. Yeah, and it's like we finally finally got over that hump. Yep. Yeah, it, it you know, it does seem like things are, are turning around a little bit because, what, three of those wins are Brent Key? Yep. So he has won as many games so far this year in, what, five games? He's three and two now? Or yep. Is he three, three and two? So he has already equaled the best seasons that his predecessor, Jeff Collins, had in getting three wins. Yeah, and so I mean that's not, that's a great well, great resume there. Um, it's it, it's sad what we've gone through to be celebrating four wins on a season, but you know uh, I'm taking it. It's it's a great thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's that. It's that. Okay, every year three wins. Okay, three wins. Okay, three wins. Okay, we've got over that. We we've got over that number four wins. Okay, now, now what can we do with that? Is this going to be a four-win season? Well, we'll get one more. We'll look at next season. Are we going to get a one, one or two wins out of the next three games? Who knows? But this is, you know, baby steps. Yep. Yeah, like you said, you you've won three games for so long. The fact that you're now past that, you look to okay, the next thing. Is that, like you said, is that just getting one more win or being happy with four, or is that trying to win two out of the next three and, and being bowl eligible? I mean, there's there's so many things coming up for Georgia Tech, but we'll get more into those in the second half of the show when we come back from a break. But right now let's listen to, uh, listen to some information about our friends at betonline.net. We will be right back. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and that sports show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on Up with the White and Gold. Make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net. They've got the wager lines. They've got the betting odds. They've got the podcast. They've got the articles. They've got the really cool, flashy website, all kinds of cool stuff to where even if 
you cannot wager or don't want to wager uh, where you are. Yes, California, we hear you. If you can't wager where you're at, you can still be a smarter fan. It can, you can still learn all kinds of, of uh, great things. You'll be the smartest person at the water cooler, in the elevator, um, any other random place you want to strike up a conversation with people, you'll have more information than they will, unless they use the website too, and that's even better. But make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net. Uh, early in the show, if you missed that, you can go back and listen to it. We talked about the great come-from-behind win over Virginia Tech. Um, now there's, there's a discussion question we want to get into, and then we're going to talk about our head coach candidate, and then we're going to tell you how they're going to beat Miami. And that's pretty much how this show is going to go. So hopefully everybody is buckled in. Uh, please keep all hands and feet inside the vehicle. And um, I will bring up this discussion question now, which is, Georgia Tech finds itself in a weird uh, conundrum. I like that word. We'll use that one, conundrum. And that conundrum is you need to go at least two and one to be considered bowl eligible and to practically double your win total and, and seems like be on the up and up. So far, you have one win with Jeff Sims. You have, what, two wins? Or no, you have... You have basically two and a half wins with Sims. You have one and a half. Do you play Pyron at least the next two games? And then if he does well, he gets the finale with Georgia, which is going to be a crazy game. Do you still have a chance to win that one? There is potential to win that one. But also keep in mind that Pyron is a freshman. In order to not lose his redshirt year, which I believe you redshirted him this year, he can only play in two more games. So if he plays this week versus Miami, if he plays next week, I uh, forgot who they play, but UNC. Next, yeah, UNC. So if he plays in those two games, then technically if he played in the last game, then his red shirt goes away and he would be a sophomore going into next year. Straight up, like uh, you use, you basically lose a year of eligibility that you could use. But here's the thing, too. What if, what if you play Pyron this week and he wins? What if you play Pyron next week and he wins? Do you really want to sit him out the last game so that you get an extra year with him but punish him for going basically 3-0? and I mean, it, it kind of brings up that weird situation. It's not the personal to Sims, but – Right now you ride the hot hand because the hot hand is taking you to a potential bowl game. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree there on on, on hot hands. Um, but you no, know, I think with historically that they really kind of pushing behind Sims. Um, but you know, the scenario that we if you know, Miami, well, we're sitting about the same with Miami. Uh, North Carolina is a little different. It's they're they are the probably most likely going to win um, the division. So that they're uh, they're five and zero in conference. So the last two games are something going to be pretty hard for us, uh, especially that last one. <clears throat> but I mean, if on the off chance they do win, that puts us at six and five, puts you as bowl eligible. I don't yeah, know. It, 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 it's definitely a hard question. I mean, is it punishment to take him out? Is it not because you're giving him more eligibility? If he wants to play more, to use him down the road, is Sims well, going to be? Yeah, they yeah. play. I mean, how right. how I'm the condition of Sims at this point, but. And what what is he going to be ready to play in um, and UNC and Georgia? I mean, those are going to be high caliber games for us. Is he going to be ready to take that on? Right. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out here because this this is the thought that initially when I first heard this this uh, this discussion come up is. I believe if Brent Key – and this is something Georgia Tech should prepare for because I do think this is, is possible. I would say 60% possible. If, if Brent Key is retained as the head coach, I would almost expect 
Jeff Sims to transfer. Because if Brent Key sticks around, it's going to be because Zach Pyron led them to uh, a great finish and probably finished the year as the starting quarterback. And so if, if Pyron is looking like the leading guy going into next year, I look for Jeff Sims to go, I'm not staying here and competing when, I, when I'm already second on the chart. You know, be prepared that, that you could lose. I mean, there's a chance if, if you decide to retain Sims that, that Pyron decides to, to leave the program. If Brent Key is not the head coach, maybe he follows him wherever he goes. I mean, there's a chance that you're not going to have both these guys next year. And I just want Yellow Jacket fans to be prepared for that. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I mean, you can put historically in different colleges, we see those kind of things. But, okay, this is the guy we want to get behind and really doing good for us. We want to continue that momentum in the next year. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, I think it definitely is, and, and it's definitely a discussion. We could probably have uh, for, from here till, till the end of, of the season for sure. But – that's just something I wanted to kind of dangle out there and, and get that into the minds of Georgia Tech fans and to our, our uh, amazing listeners that uh, that's, that's, that's a, a good debatable topic right now. But we go from one debatable topic to the other debatable topic, and that is, as I get our list, as I told you beforehand, I've had to start writing on the back of the paper that I have because we filled up the front. We're going to talk about – uh, our our next head coaching candidates. And as I'm trying to find mine somewhere on this article I was reading, um, is it that one? I don't remember. I will let you go first with your next head coaching candidate. All right. Um, this one kind of came up in the last couple of days. Um, it's been kind of mentioned, this guy. Um, currently... Um, But um, currently uh, we're coaching at East Carolina, uh, but mm-hmm. looking at Mike Houston. Hmm. Uh, Mike Houston, you know, he, he's been around football I mean, for, for a good while now. Um, he went to college in Mars Hill uh, in North Carolina. He was a tight end um, from, you know, 1990 to 1993. Um, you know, graduated with a degree in biology. But as soon as he you know, got um, done with you know, college, he was immediately into coaching. He, that fall, uh, he was a defensive coordinator uh, at a high school in East Bend, North Carolina, um, Fort Bush. He uh, was there for a couple of years. Um, then from 96 to 2005, um, he was at another high school, T.C. Robertson, Roberson, uh, another school in North Carolina. Uh, defensive coordinator from 96 to 2000, um, and then from 2001 to uh, 2005, he was the head coach there. I um, did pretty well there. He, um, coach of the year in uh, 2002, 2004 um, for the area. Um, 2004, the school went for an undefeated season, um, and, but I mean, it did win a conference championship. For the first time in that school's history, so I mean he did very well um, in those kind of areas. Uh, after that, uh, he moved up to the collegiate uh, role, uh, where he went to a small school called Brevard. He took over as defensive coordinator and associate head coach there. Um, that was the first time the school had had a football in 56 years. Um, it was completely. Uh, every uh, kid on that school was a true freshman. Um, so wow. it was it was not a great year. I mean, only won two games, but you know, been able to start something they hadn't done since the 1950s. It was a pretty good uh, line there. Um, unfortunately for Brevard, he did uh, leave uh, in 2007 um, to move to another uh, school, uh, the Lenoir Ryan. The Bears, another school in North Carolina, where he was defensive coordinator again, 07 to 2010. Here we're um, looking 
Um, no, he under his division, division two there. While they were um, while he was there, the Bears did step an NCAA All Division rushing record. Um, so hmm. he's getting to uh, do really great with these schools. Um, he was coach of the year uh, in Houston um, when they shared the conference title. Um, they won, you know, Division two playoffs first time the 60s, um, and they end up reaching national championships for Division Two while he's there. So, they're doing really well there. Um, he would become the 24th head coach at the Citadel uh, in 2024. Uh, so, now we're looking, you know, moving up to some of these bigger schools. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of a, um, it was a Short season, which you know, kind of typically happens when you see a short uh, season. Um, for the beginning of the season for New Coast, it only went five and seven. Um, but in the next year, they did have their first conference championship since 1992, and only the third time they said they would ever had a conference championship. So, you know, been able to do this conference championship, first time they'd ever made the playoffs in 23 years. Um, he, he was doing pretty well there. Um, again, he's moving on uh, to James Madison. So we're seeing him as head coach in 2016 for the Dukes. Um, here he definitely had a great um, time here uh, for the school. And you know, he had three playoff appearances, two national title game appearances, um, 2016 saw that they would win the NCAA Division One FCF football championship. Um, so here, you know, he's got a bigger time now. He's one leading the school to the championships, and um, you know, having great inside of 17. They were 14 to one again national title game. Uh, unfortunately for them, it was one of the many years that North Dakota State would win the championship. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, like eight out of nine years or something. Right, right. Uh, that's cool. I don't know. Um, and then um, that, that was back when Carson Wentz was good. Yeah, that's when we saw that. Um, and there, uh, he did leave James Madison, take over um, East Carolina in 2019, where he's kind of been there since ever since. Um, so he's been kind of riding that. Um, East Carolina, first two two years weren't great, um, and they've done okay in the last couple of years. Um, but I mean, you can definitely see he's having that experience of, of doing well in some areas, um, doing that. So I think he could be. Um, you know, he's had that tenure of his schools. So I mean, there's a little chance there. I mean, moving up to a maybe a little higher, more caliber. I shouldn't say caliber. Um, maybe a different style there. Um, so I think uh, that's kind of why I went with him this this time. I I, I mean, he he definitely has the resume and, and the pedigree coming in where he's been successful everywhere he goes. And, you know, uh, there's a good chance, I was trying to do the math in my head, the the, the handful of random years that I also covered uh, Kennesaw State, and they regularly played James Madison. There's a pretty good chance I've seen this guy coach. And if he's if he's part of those groups that were, I mean, my goodness, it was a game Kennesaw looked forward to and they didn't look forward to because James Madison would bring it. You knew it was going to be a hard game. It didn't matter where that game was. You could have played it on the moon, and they would have played you just as hard as if they played you in the backyard. And uh, if, if that's that same guy, then, then Mike Houston is, is a heck of a coach. And uh, he could he could be somebody to watch, especially being kind of in this area. You could kind of say, you know, James Madison is, is up in the Virginia area. Eastern Carolina clearly is in the Carolinas. So he's kind of been in the southeast. So he kind of knows the area recruiting-wise, and that, that could help. Yeah, I mean, looking at his tenure, James Madison is the only school that he did not coach in the Carolinas. Um all his high school, all everything else besides Dan Madison was in the state of Carolina, even in his own blame. Um, you know, and Virginia a little bit more up there with James Madison. So 
Yeah, definitely. Um, he knows uh, the area. Um, growing up there, and um, he's yeah. So yeah, yeah it's, that definitely helps. You know, kind of knowing the area. Yeah, it it definitely helps. Uh, I, I think he's he's another good candidate. And gosh, we're up to like ten or twelve now. Anyway, um, I, now when I was picking a candidate this week. Based off Jim Ursay and the Colts of the NFL fame, I, I did consider looking into, you know, maybe a pretty good player or a really good player that had played for Georgia Tech before that was maybe in coaching. But I also realized that um, Georgia Tech makes way better decisions than Jim Ursay in probably everything they do. So I, I went ahead and threw that theory out. Uh, you know, bless his bless his heart, as we say down here in the South. Bless his heart. He's trying, but it, yeah, just it's just entertainment. Um, I went. Uh, this this is a little off the beaten path too. I figure if you're not going to retain Brent Key and you're going to have that issue that you may not be you may not be able to convince both quarterbacks to stay, you need somebody that can develop who does stay and who else you can bring in. So. I wanted to find somebody that has worked with a good quarterback before and maybe made a uh, mediocre quarterback into um, a perennial top first-round pick. And uh, the the player I have in mind that he worked that this guy worked with, uh, we, we'll get into him in a minute. But I'm talking about Jeff Grimes, who right now is the Baylor offensive coordinator. Before that. What helped him get the Baylor job was uh, his work at BYU, where he made the uh, cougar-chasing gunslinger Zach Wilson look like he was Brett Favre and got drafted to the Jets. And nothing personal, bless Zach Wilson's heart, but he sucks. So he's the only thing holding the Jets back right now. Uh, He needs to either develop or or get off the team. And I'm not even a Jets fan. But he made Zach Wilson – into a household name with the work he did at BYU. I mean, I I don't follow BYU a lot. I sure didn't know who the quarterback was. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, as draft talks were starting, everybody's like, oh, well, you can't forget Zach Wilson at BYU. Oh, BYU's got this, this Wilson kid. And you're like, who is this? And you watch you watch what he did and the way Zach played, and you're like, this this kid is doing really well. Like I said, he gets to he gets to the National Football League, and we can tell that he's not. He's, I'm not sure that he can play successfully. So Grimes did a fantastic job of making him into something better than he probably was. So if you take somebody with with actual good talent like Jeff Sims, or you take somebody with actual talent like Zach Pyron, the sky could be the limit as to what he does as the head coach with these quarterbacks, because as the head coach. We don't know what his offense or his defense is going to be because we don't know who his coordinators are. That's that's probably what he was going to do anyway. He's not going to probably call the offensive plays. Most head coaches don't call the plays, at least initially. So he can have his coordinators working on the offense and defense and special teams, and his pet project can be to develop, whether it's Pirate, whether it's Sims, whether it's somebody we don't even know yet. But I feel like, He's a guy that if you want to go off the beaten path a little bit to a guy who's never been a head coach, but he's been in the college game, he's really good at developing, he's a good offensive mind, uh, I think Jeff Grimes is is somebody to consider at this point. I mean, what he's done at Baylor in just the one year he's been there, uh, or since 2021, I think he's been there two years now, but the Baylor Bears were – awful they were just wretched atrocious insert your favorite word that means the same thing here and all of a sudden now they're scoring like 30 35 points a game in the pac 12 pac 10 whatever they're in and it has a lot to do with what grimes has done with them so i kind of like jeff grimes if you're going to go off the board and you need somebody to elevate the quarterback even more yep um Definitely a lot of good there. Um, while you're going through it, it's kind of looking through some stuff. And, you know, he's, he's done the coaching. I mean, Boise State, Arizona State, BYU um, twice, Colorado, Auburn. And he's done Virginia Tech. So, I mean, he was offensive line coach uh, under Bingley. So, I mean, he's, 
you know, they've been there playing against us. Uh, so, I mean, at least has, has that there. And like I said, he, he's done really well everywhere. I mean, uh, under under Beamer at Tech, under West Miles at LSU, um, so I mean, BYU, now Baylor. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, he definitely has had a lot of um, good experience there. Um, seven bowl games, including a national championship. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think it was really good there and um, definitely understands the game. And, um, I think, yeah, it was working out pretty well. Yeah. Like I said, I, I like going off the beaten path because, I mean, we've mentioned a lot of, of the ones that you're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Or, oh, yeah, everybody's going to talk about this guy or that guy. Uh, and trust me, there's there's still a slew of candidates left that, that we can get into. Um, but I, I think that's, you know, between Mike and Jeff, we add those to the list. And as we said, we're just going to keep going. We're going to keep going with two candidates every week until they hire one. Um, there's a good chance we run out of names before that happens. So if so, maybe we'll we'll start knocking people off the list or revisit it if we hear things. Yeah, definitely. But now that leads us to the uh, that leads us to the the final part. Of course, that will be to preview this game against Miami. Now we know. We know that this team needs to go at least two and one, needs two out of the next three to uh, be bowl eligible. I always tell people just because you win six games does not mean you automatically get a bowl. It means you are, are on the list to get considered. It still has there's a lot of weird stuff that happens up until that point. Um, but if you're going to go two and one, this week is the best opportunity on paper to get one of those two wins. Um, I'm not saying Miami is easily beatable. I'm just saying that the way Tech is a weird matchup for Miami, I think gives them the best chance to win. Yeah, I mean, the way it's sitting right now, we're both four and five. Uh, we're three and three in conference. They're two and three. Um, they're coming off, um, you know, pretty much being ran over by FSU. And we're coming off a win. Um, it's at home. Um, it's a I mean, I looked at some of the, the spreads and different things, and it's, it will be a pretty tight, a tight game. Um, so, I mean, it's, I definitely think this one will definitely be um, one of probably the best one out of the rest to, to get a win. Um, so, it's going to be pretty close. But I like, your, I like your eyes on this one. And I, and I do, too. And... Uh... We'll just go right into the three keys to victory. What do you think is one of the keys to victory for Georgia Tech? Well, you mentioned it earlier. I'm going to say it pretty much every time. Turnovers. Yeah. We are in the nation in turnover margin at plus 15. So it's trolling that on fumbles, interceptions, um, being able to force that really helps the game, as we saw last week. Of the, they were driving, we got them to fumble when they're really close to scoring. They really can flip your game around. So uh, I'm again going to go with that. Yeah, because they they definitely need to protect the football. There have been a couple times, even though, like you said, they're they're plus 15 or whatever. They're they're doing well. They've they've their defense has caused 22 total this year, which is is a pretty good number. But you look, and um, it hasn't mattered who the quarterback is. It seems like there's a fumble a game from that position. Either a running back or a wide receiver seem to have one as well. And that's – it's okay to have one here or there. You don't need to be averaging two on offense, two fumbles or better uh, each week. Uh, it's just it's just a recipe for disaster at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. But uh, I will say the second key, the second key, I think you've got to pressure this quarterback. I, I think that's, 
that's just the the best way to to go about it. You got I, I say it almost every week, but it's a good strategy, and and more people should do it. Uh, you mm-hmm. you got to go after this guy. You have to pressure him into. You got to pressure him into making decisions before he wants to. You got to flush him out of the pocket. You got to get him moving around uh, way more than he wants to. Actually, pressure him into uh, maybe where Charlie is sitting so that he can level him cleanly so that he can continue in the game, of course. But uh, I think pressuring this quarterback and and flushing him out of the pocket, I think, are going to be beneficial to Georgia Tech this week. Yeah, I definitely agree there. Uh, 156 for 245 on the season. So he's definitely throwing the ball um, over 1,700 yards, uh, 10 touchdowns. Um, But he does have the four interceptions. Uh, So, you know, then kind of ties into one and two here. So maybe get the pressure to get him out of of the pocket and force him to try to make uh, bad plays. Uh, Yeah, definitely be be good um, for that route. Yeah, and, and with the only uh, what the four interceptions, as you were saying, uh, that's that's not a lot. But so I'm not saying in pressuring him that you're wanting him to throw interceptions because it's very highly unlikely that he does so. Uh, right. And he does have the ten touchdowns, as you said. Uh, he's thrown for almost 1,800 yards. Um, has he not? He was not the starter early on in this year, was he? Um, I don't know if he was or not. But I know he did not finish the FSU game, so there's a small chance he doesn't play this week as well. He had a shoulder injury. Uh, he, he went out in that one. But he's, he's somebody who likes to sit, sit there and sit in the pocket, make plays, not turn the ball over. That's why I say we've got to flush him out. We've got to make him make quicker decisions, and uh, I, I think that, that should help us out a lot. I think, I think we have the defense to do that. Yeah, um, like I said, he was, he was out of the game. He's currently showing as out. Um, okay. So if, if that doesn't improve, they'll probably bring in Garcia um, to replace him. But um, are you talking about Nomar? Uh, <laughs> Nomar Garcia? No, you mean that's Garcia Park? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, there. Another Georgia Tech guy, though. Yeah. I wanted to bring that back in. Yeah. Let's make it, uh, according to the game splits that I am looking at, it looks like he has at least played a part in practically every game this year. They are just uh, – they are so run dependent, I think, that uh, he he doesn't regularly – well, no, there are games where he's through 46 and 57 times. So, uh, I guess it just depends on the strategy. Yeah, um, I mean, really, all I mean for them is going to depend on what Van Dyke can do. Um, Crystal Ball is not really saying much on it, so I mean, it, it may come down to game time with him or or, or Garcia. Um, Garcia, I mean, he, he does okay, um, but. You know, again, you know, both sides, we're both equal here at four or five, so we'll all see here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh-huh. and you can't sleep on the fact of uh, they got Curry Brown, too, that, you know, if Jake Garcia struggles a little bit, they can go with him because I guess he would be the uh, he would be the second string, third string, however you want to say it. He would be the, yeah. um, the, the backup at that point. I think he's a fre- yeah he's a freshman out of Valdosta, which which you know means he's probably really good. But if they have to rely on either Jake Garcia or Jacory Brown, then uh, then they're probably not playing Miami football. Yeah, no. You may see a lot of uh, run games stepping up there at that point. Yeah, but I mean they have the horses to do that. I mean they are. My goodness, I'm counting. Ten different running backs they have on the current roster right now, and uh, any of them can probably more than do it. But what would you say? So so far we have uh, win the turnover battle. We have pressure the quarterback, no matter if it's Van Dyke or Garcia or Brown or uh, some random person we've never heard of even. Uh, <laughs> what would you say is 
key number three to a Georgia Tech victory? Um, yeah, I mean, if we're looking at probably starting, um, I haven't seen the depth chart, but if we're looking at probably starting Pyron, um, mm-hmm. again, got to make smart plays, keep your team in, um, rally. I mean, if we have to we end up doing what we did last week, I mean, he can definitely rally the team around him. Um I mean, it's starting to feel a little bit like he plays a lot better under pressure, which, I mean, from a fan perspective, it's it's kind of nerve-wracking. But, um, you know, if you can kind of channel that, I think as long as he can make smart plays on this one, um, keep the team going, then I think we're, as I said before, we definitely have a, a shot at this. Yeah, so, so you're saying the third key is to uh... – kind of let Pyron be Pyron and, and kind of rally around him? Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. And I, and I do think, I mean, without digging back into that discussion question again, I, I do think the quick answer is to, to roll with Pyron. And I would base the rest of the season off what happens in this game. Um, I, I very much, if you win this game, then I roll with him in the next game. And I, and I let him know up front what's, what's going to happen, that, hey, if we win the Miami game, then uh, you're going to play the UNC game. If we win the UNC game, then you're, gonna play the, you're probably going to play the Georgia game, and we're just going to scrap that year and just you know, scrap the red shirt and just be done with it because we'll have our quarterback at that point. But it's, you know, if, you, if you win this one and then you don't win, the follow-up at UNC, then I think that's really easy, and you just say, hey, you're good, appreciate what you're doing, look forward to next year. And then I think it really depends on what happens in this game uh, moving forward, and that's that's kind of where I would go with it. Yeah, and just kind of update, I did find uh, the depth chart um, kind of similar to last week. Jeff Sims is listed as a starter, but, you know, we saw the nasty play. And Pyron came in. Pyron's listed as a backup. So, I think, again, it's going to be close. Kind of game time on what we look there. But, you know, otherwise, you know, it's pretty much um, everyone's kind of uh, as they are. Uh, Charlie Thomas does appear to be um, good to go. Uh, him and Ace Ely are the starters for linebacker. Um, okay. So, that's good. Um, and, of course, Gavin Stewart. And Shanahan for the player. But, um, yeah, right. so I think, again, it's going to come down to what they want to do in game time, see what happens. If Sims goes, then uh, hopefully he, he's good and it doesn't bother him too much or he doesn't like, think it's going to bother him and it changes his play. Um, but if Pyron goes, then you know, we, we see what he did. Yeah. And I, I, I just, I understand probably why they might do something like that because you want to let Sims know, hey, you still are the starter. But if if I'm Brent Key and I'm two wins away from taking this team to a bowl game after the guy you have temporarily replaced couldn't win more than three games in a year, I think i got to play my best chance to do that, and I think that's pirate. I agree. I mean, the way things have been going, I mean, it's – and crazy for a freshman to come in and be as good as he has for us. So uh, I think that, I mean, we should rally behind that. And no offense to Sims. Yep. I mean, Sims done what he's supposed to, but I think now with the team is rallying and everything, that Tywin probably be the best thing. But again, like I said, we'll see. We don't make those decisions, right? Nope, they do not ask our opinion, and uh, and that is uh, pretty apparent. <laughs> but hey, that's fine. We will we will gladly keep talking about it here uh, on Up with the White and Gold. And um, other than that, do you have anything else tonight? No, I think uh, okay, we're good to go. We'll, we'll see how this weekend goes. Uh, it's going to be a, a busy weekend with both. Tech and uh, local high school playing Saturday. Um, yes. <laughs> and middle school playing Saturday, too. So, yep. It'll be a 
busy Saturday. But, you know, it's that time of the year where we're starting playoffs for high school and, and it's looking crazy. But I don't think we're remember good looking forward to see how things go this weekend. Yep, that we will definitely do. We'll be watching. I know you guys will be watching, and we appreciate you guys listening. This has been another episode of Up with the White and Gold. He is DT John Watts. I am Jeremy the Impact York. We will see you guys next week. Go eat varsity. Go Jackers.